Many people think through the eyes of Peter. And Peter is telling this story with Mark about the life of Jesus. And we're almost done with this conversation, this collection of talks. And, and I would hate for you to miss uh, the next couple conversations. But uh, today, I get to have this conversation uh, on this idea of sacrifice. You know, um, this is not a conversation that I'm telling you what to do. But I feel like I'm telling myself what to do as well and what to cultivate in my own life. I believe that the posture of our hearts and life matters. And I think the question you should be asking yourself, what is the posture of my heart? How do I engage life? How do I engage my relationships with others? How do I engage my relationship with what we call the church and everything that I do? What is the posture of my heart? And I want to take you to story of a widow. And this is found in Mark chapter 12, if you have your Bibles. Go with me to Mark chapter 12. And if not, we're going to have it here on the screen. Do not worry. And the story starts this way. Mark chapter 12, verse 41 and on. Then he sat down near the offering box, watching all the people dropping in their coins. This is Jesus. Many of the rich will put in very large sums. But a destitute widow walk up and drop into small con copper coins worth less than a penny. Jesus called his disciples to gather around and, and then said to them, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given a, large, a larger offering than any of the wealthy. For the rich only give out of the surplus, but she sacrificed out of her poverty and gave to God all that she had to live on, which was everything she had. If you don't mind, I would like to start with a prayer. If you feel comfortable, will you mind closing your eyes for a second? God, thank you so much for allowing us to be here and um, for this community that you're building. Every person in this space are experiencing different stages of life and come with different things. And my desire is that you can speak to where they are, God. That you can bring hope, that you can bring love, that you can bring perspective, that you can invite them into your journey with you where they're at. I ask you this in your beautiful name of Jesus and Discovery Family says... Amen. You know how I know I'm getting all family? I found myself agreeing with my mom more than I thought. That's how I know I'm ever say that I agree with her. She would disagree with me about how I eat my lunch, what I eat, the way I handle my finances, the way I, you know, relate with, with other people, the way I work, my work ethic. There was nothing she would ever say that I would probably agree with her. Nothing. Not even evaluating myself, that makes sense. No, I just disagree completely. I remember the other day I was asking, Mom, what was the hardest time for you when I was a teenager or when I was a young adult? And she was like, all of it. I was like, dang, Mom, that hurt. I was, an, I was not an easy kid, to be quite honest with you. But I found myself now having conversations with her about life, and I found myself agree with her. I was like, that makes sense. Oh, that makes a lot more sense. And then I react. I'm like, man, I'm becoming, I'm, I'm getting old. You know, but, but the reality of this is that my mom has a lot to teach me, to be honest with you. This woman has a lot of insight, a lot of wisdom, a lot of, she can say a lot about resilience. But she didn't learn all of these things out of the things that she accomplished and the wealth and the success that she had. 
all of the things that she, she learned, she learned it from a place of lack and a scarcity. This woman has gone through so much. She moved from uh, living from different places in life and different countries too. For 18 years of her life, she was a stay-at-home mom. And she lost everything because she got divorced. She lost her house. And we end up living in a small room after having our own house in a small room in Vacaville surviving. She went, she went from not working at all to work 10, 12-hour shifts and in inhumane spaces to provide for both of us. So all of the things that she has to share and the way she sees life, she, it doesn't come from the things that she accomplished. It comes from the things that she lacked in, the, in sur surviving in life. And you know, I, I believe that lack and scarcity has a way to dismantle our souls from this facade. See, I believe that scarcity and lack has a way to reveal to us what we value what are our priorities and what we believe? It's in the place, it's exactly in this place where this widow becomes a point of reference for all of us who identify with Jesus. And it's an inspiration for all of us if you're not completely satisfied with the life that you live in. See, Jesus and his disciples find themselves walking here in Mark 12 into the epicenter of the Jewish economy, that is the temple. See, this temple was built with such a beauty. It was built with gold. Uh, it was majestic to the eye. It was designed to represent all kinds of things. The statics, the statics of that place would leave you breathless. There was nothing like it according to the scripture. And it was also considered a sacred and a holy place. But none of those things, as incredible as it sounds, becomes the example and the representation of what Jesus is trying to teach these disciples, the people that were going to transform humanity and the movement of Jesus. None of these things become the representation of that. It's what we probably call the insignificant, the irrelevant, the unimportant. If you ask me, that's the way of Jesus. He uses this widow as an example to this man. And why is this woman an example? Because I will say that she gave a suicidal gift. See, if we go back to the verses, 42 says, like across the offering boxes. Verse 42 says, but a destitute widow walked up and dropped two small copper coins worth less than a penny. Jesus called all his disciples to gather around and said to them, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given a larger offering than any of the wealthy. For the rich only give out of the surplus, but she sacrificed out of her poverty and gave to God all that she had. Can I point something out? Jesus is not demonizing you giving out of your wealth. Jesus is not demonizing the giving out of your abundance. But what he's saying, that is, that is not the only place that you can give out of. That is not the only, only point of reference that you can use to sacrifice and offer something. See, also, 
I know that we use this story many times to talk about money. And yeah, maybe we can find some good insight about money. But the currency is the second part of this whole thing. Because it can be about your time. It can be about your resources. And maybe it's about your money. But more than anything, I believe it's about the posture of the heart of this woman that matters. See, we live in a time where we... We're trying to develop boundaries and, and, and parameters to become more healthy. And we ask ourselves, if I'm, if I'm going to sacrifice something, would this affect my budget? If I'm going to sacrifice something, would this affect my time? If I sacrifice something, would this impact my resources? And I'm not saying that that is a bad thing to, 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 to develop boundaries. But what I'm saying is we have a limited understanding about sacrifice. In our, in our culture. See, we only sacrifice for the things that we want. Notice that this woman, or notice that the wealthy gave, but she sacrificed. It's a different posture of heart. They gave, she sacrificed. See, um, for a year and a half, I, I was able to teach sixth grade uh, in Vacaville. And one of the things that I found out about sixth graders is they're great negotiators. Oh, man. You know, I'm trying to be a good teacher. You know, I'm trying to teach them how to be generous. I'm trying to teach them how to be sacrificial. And, and I tell them, hey, can you go help a friend? Or can you help me uh, navigate the PowerPoint as I'm teaching this class? And the first question they ask me, Mr. Reyes, what am I going to get back from this? And I look at them and I'm like, I'm trying to be deep with them. You know, I'm trying to be thoughtful. And I'm like, look, guys, you don't always have to get something back from what you get. You can be generous with your, with your life. You can be generous with what you have. And they look at my eyes and they roll up their eyes and I'm like, whatever, Mr. Reyes. I'm like, but you know the funny thing is that we're not so far away from, in, in our current culture. We, we, we sacrifice if, if we can enjoy later. We sacrifice if we can actually replenish what we lost. We can, we, we're willing to sacrifice if we can get what we want. But may I say, friends, that there's other type of sacrifices. That she didn't, she didn't sacrifice because she, she was going to get something in return. She didn't sacrifice for an outcome. There's no outcome to think about. This woman has nothing. This woman in her time, in her culture, there, she, has, she doesn't have the upper hand in this whole thing. Her position would never add up to her. And she would never get anything from her current culture. See, widows at that time, they have no sons, they have no protectors, and remain unmarried. They often were destitute. Since there was no social or public aid, widows often didn't have financial support. And let me add another layer to this thing. Scholars believe that the, that the uh, religious system was so corrupt and so mismanaged that they would take the widow's houses as a pledge for unpaid debt. That the only thing of security and shelter that they had and their trust many times. So there's nothing she can get out of this. It's not like she's going to invest this and she's going to get everything back. See, what I believe, what she's telling us, 
what she's communicating to us, what she's communicating around her without even knowing is that the lack is not her ceiling. This is not how far she can go. Only when she has something to offer, no. It's like, is this all I have? I'm going to sacrifice it. Abundance is not my ceiling. This is not as far as I can go. There's another way, another way to see this. And I ask myself, when I'm reading this story, what if she knows that I don't know? What if she sees that I, I'm not able to see? See, if money can talk, what do you think this money is saying about her? If money can talk, what do you think it's saying about what she believes, about what she values, and what she, about what she depends on? What do you think money can say about her character? See, let me put something important about this. Is that Jesus does not begin the conversation about sacrifice. Sacrifice is all, all over the narrative of the Bible. See, this conversation takes through the whole narrative. And there's a specific book that I want to take you. you. Let me be a nerd for a minute. Can I do that for five minutes? Let me be a nerd for five minutes, okay? I'm going to take you to Leviticus. Yeah, there you go. That's how fun it is. If you, if you don't know what Leviticus is, if this is your first time, you know, or you've been, you haven't been around church, Leviticus is the book that you jump to the next one because you don't want to read it. You know, like, it's not the book that you're going to come up with a good insight or a good devotional. Like, that's not necessarily, you read it and you're like, what am I, what are they talking about? Like, I don't know what they're talking about. That is Leviticus. But you know, Leviticus uh, has a very important thing to point out to us. Hear me out for a minute, okay? This is a boomerang type of story. You might feel like we're going away, but we're going to come back, I promise. Okay? See, Leviticus' backdrop is very interesting. This book is birthed out of the Israelites becoming free. See, the Israelites, for generations, they were living in Egypt as slaves. They were owned by them. They were treated as, as cheap labor for many generations. And all of a sudden, this Hebrew God disrupts that and brings liberation and freedom, and freedom to them. But this God not only brings freedom to them, he wants them to become human again. He wants them to relearn how to be human again. Why? Because for so long, they were treated in inhumane ways that they don't even know how to be human. And this God, this Hebrew God comes and teaches them how to, how to recreate the world, how to recreate creation, how do we experience a new way of being human. And because their humanity was rooted and slaved in an oppression, this God wanted them to experience uh, 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 their humanity rooted in love and care, intentionality and hope in so many other ways. See, it's interesting because we think that freedom and liberation means you can do whatever you want. But may I suggest that freedom and liberation only also comes through order, structure of, of, of finances here in, in Discovery. Justin, if you go to him and you tell him, hey, Justin, man, I'm very unhealthy financially. You know, I, I, I don't know what to do. I just spend money. I find myself without money, you know, every other weekend or whatever. You know, he's not going to tell you, hey, that's your money. Do whatever you want with it. That's the best way to do it because you own that money. What do you think he's going to tell you? You need order. You need a plan. 
you need structure. Right? If I want to become healthier physically, if I go to my personal trainer and I'm like, you know what? I want to become healthier. I want to be better. What do you think he's going to tell me? Go to In-N-Out and eat two double-doubles and go and buy all the fries that you want and then go to McDonald's. Of course not. What do you think he's going to tell me? You need a plan. You need a structure. You need order in your life. Why? Because you can find joy and peace and order and structure and a plan. So this God understands that and understands where his people are standing. And Leviticus is the response to that. It's a response to that. See, this God won the Israelites, these Hebrew people, to, 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 to be a representation of liberation to other nations, to other tribes. In other words, he, want them, he wants them to embody all of these things. This is the backdrop of Leviticus. And the question maybe is, so okay, God, so how do we recuperate our humanity? How do we become human again? Ready? The first seven chapters of Leviticus, guess about what is, what is the, the, the topic about those seven chapters? Sacrifice and offering. You know where I'm going with this? The way they recover the humanity, part of it, core of it, Sacrifice and offering needs to be part of their narrative. See, it's interesting because when you think about all of this, the seven chapters, they talk about offerings about joy, peace, guilt, sin, and so many other offerings and sacrifices. See, the conversation of Leviticus does not start by this guy judging people, but by this guy wanting to be near and close to humanity. And the response of all of this is this. See, the, the Hebrew word that they use for offering is the word karvan, which means get closer or come closer. In other words, they did not use sacrifice as a means to an end. They use a sacrifice to come closer and approach the divine. That you and I, or in our current culture, we sacrifice for an outcome. We sacrifice for results. We sacrifice for, this, for, 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 for the sake of getting something. But they sacrifice for the sake of knowing. For the sake of being aware of their creator. For the sake of, of coming close and being awakened of how this God was orchestrating things. See, may I suggest that our creator desires for us to build an ecosystem where we don't only give from our abundance, when we have a lot, when we have plenty, and where we are prosperous. But the ways of Jesus invites us into sacrificial giving. See, Dallas Willer says that grace is not opposite to effort, but grace is opposite to earning. Meaning, you and I do not sacrifice to earn something from this God. We sacrifice for the sake of knowing our creator. See, notice the last thing. Leviticus is not given in the context of abundance. And what you and I might know as the promised land. This is not given when they have everything. This is given in the context of a desert. And the context where they don't have enough. And the context where there's... Every single day they're dependent on their creator to give them and provide for them. 
This is where he's trying to teach him that offering and sacrifice are key and important to the human experience to them. See, the ways of Jesus are sacrificial giving. And not always for an outcome. Not always to get what you want. If we go back to the widow, see the Mosaic law, the, the, the law that is given by Moses, did not require for her to give something in her situation. See, but what moves her and what motivates her goes beyond and deeper than just fulfill a rule or a law. I know that some of us, we do very good with rule and laws. But may I say there might be something beyond that. There could be that this widow finds the life that, she, that she's seeking and the relation that she's seeking by being sacrificial every time. I don't think this is a one-time thing. I believe this is the way she lives life. This is me just saying. I'm just throwing it out there. I'm going to close the conversation. I promise you. I promise. I'm going to ask the band to come up, actually. You know, this is one of those conversations. I usually tell friends, you know, they tell me, hey, you, you, you preach very fast. 15, 20 minutes, you're done. I'm like, yeah, I don't have that many things to say. That's a problem, you know. But with this one, I actually do have a lot to say. I, I'm just giving you probably 30% of what I want to tell you. You know, when we think, when we think about sacrifice, Means to sacrifice and be and bring offerings. I do have a lot of questions. I do have a lot of questions. And I have a lot of questions because when I'm reading the story of this woman, it brings to surface certain things that I'm I battle with probably every week. You know, many people think because I'm a pastor, I, sh I shouldn't have questions, so I shouldn't struggle with this because this is what I do. See, but I ask myself, when I'm reading the story of this widow, does she have any questions about when she's sacrificing? Does she ever ask herself, how is this making any type of impact? How is this meaningful? I'm literally giving into a religious system that will never support me and never take care of me. Why am I contributing to it? It this a very corrupt system. Or just in other words, also in the time of Jesus, they were rebuilding the temple. Imagine you thinking, less of a penny. I'm giving less of a penny. How is this helping and contributing to the rebuild of this beautiful temple? I don't know if she has any questions. Doesn't matter. Is this important in any given way? Is this meaningful? I'm going to let you in into a conversation that I have, a very personal conversation. You know, I have a lot of friends that, um, that I love and I really treasure. And a lot of them, they're walking away from church. They're walking away from religion. They, they have no interest. They're hurt. They're in pain. And because we love each other, they allow me to come into their pain and have conversations with them. Just two weeks ago, I was meeting with one of my friends that I love dearly. And he's going through a lot right now. But he allows me to have very 
tough conversations with them. This is the only place I can ask really tough conversations, tough questions. And we were going at it back and forth. Problem? The problem is that you're a pastor and you have the upper hand in this whole thing. You have the leadership. That's why you, you speaking to me, you have the upper hand in this whole thing. You have the position, you have the title in this whole thing. And I told him, friend, this, let's go that route. I'm the son of two immigrants that didn't even finish middle school. I came to this country not knowing a word, how to read English, how to speak the language, how to even understand it. By the time I graduated high school, I was five steps behind every high schooler, so I couldn't go to community college because I didn't know how to understand the language. I had to take, I had to relearn all of this to actually be at pace with you guys. I'm a brown kid that if there was 10 churches around this area and they were hiring a lead pastor, they don't even consider because of my skin, by my skin color because they don't think I will be a good fit for them. How I, how, I'm a part of this industry, if you want to call it the evangelical industry, that is dominated many times by white voices. How do I have the upper hand in this, friend? You know, the difference between you and me is that we both struggle with the same thing. We both have questions. We both are mad about a lot of things. But you know what? I decided to stay. Because I feel like this widow. I ask myself almost every week, does this matter? Is this any way meaningful? Am I contributing in any way to this? There's moments that I do feel that Jesus is saying, it's making an impact. It does matter. It matters to me. See, let's go back to the widow real quick. The only thing we know about this widow is by what Jesus is communicating. Jesus is saying, hey, She's given out of her poverty. In other words, I know her context. I know where she's given from. I know her situation. I know where she's standing. I understand it and I see it. Does it matter? Yes, it matters to him. Is it making any type of impact? I think the question we want to ask, does she ever see the impact that she's making? Because to Jesus, it's making an impact. See, I don't know if she ever find out that she was used as a representation, a tangible representation to this 12 men that were going to transform humanity, that were going to start the movement of Jesus. I don't know if she ever find out that she was going to be used as an example to this people. She was the representation of what it means to love God with your heart, with your mind, with the spirit, with everything that you have. She became the precedent for all of us. The challenge all of us that we have positions, that we have titles, that we have wealth, that we have opportunities. She becomes an example to all of us. See, because lack is the opportunity to see the world different. That this is not the only place that we can give from. 
That means as we sacrifice, friends, we become more like our Creator. See, sacrifice, I believe, realigns our heart to the purpose of our Creator. And this is my prayer for all of us. May you build an ecosystem in your life that you see sacrifice as an opportunity to come closer to your Creator. And may I add to come closer to others. We have a moment of communion and reflection. We have the elements through this auditorium and feel free as we sing a couple songs to come and take a moment. Ask all the questions that you want and, and reflect on this conversation. I'm not saying you have to agree with me. All I'm saying and my hope is that this can start a conversation in your own soul, in your own hearts. So feel free to come forward and take a minute. As a moment to honor this conversation and what God did for us on the cross.